Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, the trade deadline, the Kobe statue, a narrow loss to Denver. This is the busiest Thursday in Lakers history. That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts. This one's always free and never behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where over 23,000 subscribers go um, to talk about the trade deadline, Andy, to talk about the uh, the unveiling of the first of what is apparently going to be three Kobe Bryant statues uh, outside the arena um and of course an actual game a game between the lakers and the denver nuggets the now western conference leading nuggets that was um it was a loss for the lakers but one that they they played really hard um despite being down a lot of guys uh so where do you want to start you want to start with the the game itself um it, this was not what it looked like one where the lakers were gonna get kind of run out of the building pretty early and they just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And they found themselves, you know, in a tie game in the fourth quarter. I was pretty impressed, if nothing else, with the effort. Yeah, it took a while for the Lakers, I think, to really get any sense of footing. And in particular, the first half, there, D'Angelo Russell did not play in this game. He had a sore knee. So I guess the, the mysterious treatment that uh, we had heard about leading up to the trade deadline and, you know, the lack of clarity about his um, status leading up to the game as it turns out he ended up missing and I'm assuming I do not know this but that the treatment involved his knee but that first half offensively they really missed D'Angelo mm -hmm. Russell like the offense was so raggedy and disjointed and had really lacked any type of flow and it was coming at a time where AD and Reeves were both really struggling to make shots Rui Hachimura, who had a – I hope he celebrated his birthday before the game because he's not going to feel like celebrating afterwards. Rui didn't make a basket till the fourth quarter. He, mm -hmm. he had a pretty dreadful outing. So just the first half, they really struggled to get anything going. The second half, they started to find something that worked with a lot of Reeves-LeBron pick and rolls with Reeves as the ball handler and LeBron as the roller. And they, they started finding some action there. And then the fourth quarter – Sparked, I mean, by Jackson Hayes, I think of all people. he Jackson Hayes was incredible in the fourth quarter, getting them offensive rebounds, getting them extra possessions, just his overall activity. This was a game that I got to say, you feel like, you know, granted Denver did not have Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but you felt like watching this game, if the Lakers had had D'Angelo Russell, if they didn't miss Max Christie, who – hurt himself and twisted his ankle landing on a Denver player's ankle on a drive. Didn't play in the second half. You know, you have some combination of Cam Reddish or Gabe Vincent. Like, I'm not saying the Lakers win, but you don't feel like it's impossible that they would have won this game. I'm sorry. I mean, like, I love KCP. I mean, love KCP and regret that he's still not playing for the Lakers. But, like, you know, one KCP doesn't necessarily equal one Gabe Vincent – 
Jared Vanderbilt, Cam Reddish, half of a Max Christie game, and D'Angelo Russell. Like the Lakers were clearly more shorthanded than Denver. I mean, what what really sticks out? I mean, you, I think your point about D'Lo and the offense. You know, it's a lot of times you see guys. It's it's um, you know you you recognize the what they have been bringing when they aren't there to do it. Um, you know, it took Reeves a while to get going in this game. You know, you know it's a it's a <clears throat> it can be a tough spot for him to be the the guy who orchestrates the offense. Um, and it took a minute, and you know he was better later as it went along. Um, they the, Anthony Davis in this game was just spectacularly good. I mean, the the effort to keep the Lakers in this game. LeBron, I thought, played a, a really strong game. 25, 9, and 7 for the Lakers. Yep. But Anthony Davis, 14 and 27 from the floor, nine rebounds, three assists, three steals, four blocks. And it's just another example of AD what? elevating, you know, to, well, to, to bring up a Lakers half, team. Really, AD struggled a lot in the first half of this game. The whole game. team like, did. He, but I'm just saying, like, it, re- it really speaks. I'm, I'm accentuating your point, not disputing it. Him turning it on as mm-hmm. the team clearly needed it to happen, or there was no way they were going to get back into this game at all. Um, you know, it's just it, you wish, I, you know, you lose to the Nuggets without all of those people. Um, it is reasonable to, you know, to, to think that was going to happen. Um, you just you wish that there were ways that the Lakers could reward as a group the the efforts of somebody like Davis um, and certainly LeBron. Again, I thought LeBron played a really good game. Um, this is where you you can't get by with f- two points from Rui in 38 minutes. Um, that just can't happen, you know. And, no. and you know, Christie was really struggling before he got hurt. Yep, you know he was he finished two of seven from the floor. Torian Prince, he he was actually the offensive catalyst for them in the in the um, for most of the first half. Um, but didn't score in the second half. It's like, you know, the buckets sort of became hard to to go by. And yeah, I will say the, the defensive effort in this game, it is a continuation of what they've been doing really since they found something in that Boston game. You know, the effort and the intensity and all that stuff that you want, it was there. And like, I, this is just, it's one of these games. Where it's, it's, it's disappointing. It would have been amazing night if they won just as much just because of the the circumstances to have that kind of gutty gritty comeback on the night that you're revealing the kobe statue and like they're wearing the mamba uniforms and all that kind of like the storyline is tailor-made for that kind of thing unfortunately the writers just didn't really come through with it um but it's hard to complain mean, i can't get upset about what the lakers did on the floor tonight no, I mean, I there were there were moments in the game where they weren't playing well that were upsetting because you don't like the execution or you just things things look really ragged. We, you know, we talked about Austin Reeves turning it on as the game went along, and he definitely his second half was much stronger than it than his first. And he in Reeves played a big role, I think, in getting them back into it. He also had an inexplicably bad gamble. With a minute five left in the fourth quarter, games within five, uh, Nikola Jokic is at the top of the arc, and he's being guarded by AD. And Torian, I think, is guarding Jamal Murray, but he's pretty close. Reeves 
decides to get, and when I say gamble for a steal, I mean he moved a good at least 20 feet off Michael Porter Jr. trying to get this steal from behind. Either Jokic felt him coming or Murray called it out, but either way, as Jokic always does, he pinged the ball to the open guy, Michael Porter Jr., who had been really hot in this game and is a 40 point, uh, 40% three-point shooter on volume. He hit that three. That was just, you can't do that. Yeah. Like I mean, moments it, like I get that. What, I get, you know, you're trying to make a play and all that, but like it, there's still enough time left in the game just to play it straight and get it. And it just, Reeves has got to stop leaving shooters open. He's just yeah. got to stop it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I find the sort of, standard Austin Reeves helps too far off of a off of a shooter, you know, a corner shooter play more annoying in some ways than the the one that you were describing there because at least on that one I understand five down five stops are starting to get hard to get, you know, like you're trying to make a play. It's not a I'm not saying it was a good play. I'm just I I, I get it. The ones where he overhelps and leaves the shooters open, those those are infuriating. But like I mean, yeah, but sure. In any game you win, even the ones you win, you're gonna have yeah. plays that you like. Like, well, that was bad. Um, but I just thought, given what they had, I, I, it's hard to walk away from this one annoyed at what transpired on the floor. And the Denver Nuggets are really flipping good. If and the they Lakers were not messing around in this game, if the Lakers play with this type of hustle and aggressiveness and hopefully better execution with a few more guys available they they will not solve every problem that they have but they will solve many of them like mm -hmm. the, the the focus i thought that they had in this game and the way that they went about trying to win it while very shorthanded and getting more shorthanded as the game went along i'm like you i i have no i have no angry complaints about it. I just wish that they had been able to pull it out. So uh, we did a, uh, a mini episode after the deadline uh, earlier on Thursday. And so, you know, a lot of our commentary, you can go back and check out that. But uh, Andy, Rob Palinka, the general manager of the Lakers, he spoke to the media Thursday um, about the deadline. The Lakers make no moves. They did nothing, not a zip. It wasn't even slow. It was non-existent. Uh, what did Rob say, and is he correct? Next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors, and our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire each week. We're going to provide you with players guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Marvin Bagley the third. He's now Washington's likely starting center after the Daniel Gafford trade. He is worth grabbing for fantasy leagues. Again, it doesn't matter if the Wizards win. You just need stats from Bagley. And then Benedict Matherin with Buddy Heald now in Philly. More minutes for Matherin. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship is about each player being the perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. There is nothing worse than having your vehicle break down in real time. It happened to me years ago where my engine ended up catching on fire. And it's like, I wish I had used eBay Motors back then. 
I could have saved myself a lot of trouble with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure that it stays running smoothly. They got brake kits. They got LED headlights. They even have fire extinguishers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride or die the first time, every time, your your money back. So, so keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, so Rob Palenka confirmed, Andy, basically what we had talked about uh, in the in the uh, the 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 mini show this uh, on Thursday afternoon that the Lakers tried to make deals um, and um, they felt like the 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 ones that were out there for them the cost was well beyond. Um, the, it was well beyond the benefit. And then, you know, in terms of stuff that they might've wanted to do, um, you know, you gotta have people to work with. And as Rob Palenka said, uh, to the media ahead of Thursday's game, you can't buy a house that's not for sale. Um, whether he is accurate in, in all this stuff, like to really understand what the Lakers didn't do or why they didn't do it. I need to know what they said no to. Like, I need to know what deals they could have said, yes, we'll do that. And they said, no, we won't instead. Without knowing that exactly, it's hard to get too worked up. Um, it was good at least. I mean, part of me expected like Rob not even to talk. And I realized like trade deadline day, you kind of have to, but like they get so silent sometimes. I wasn't 100% mm. sure he was going to do a oh, press I, conference. I knew he'd be available if for no other reason than Kobe's statues being unveiled. Rob Palinka is going to be around. If he doesn't make himself available under those circumstances, then it really looks like he is trying to hide from the decisions that were made. Yeah. So I, I fully expected him to talk. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I, thought, I expected it. I just, there was a part of me that was just like, it wasn't 100%. Sure, and you could use the Kobe night as I don't want to overshadow. I mean, I'm just saying, I you could come up with it. But it was no. Know, then, then you're you then you're any, using. You didn't say anything. I didn't right. expect him to say. Then, then it looks especially bad then yeah, because you're then right. you're using Kobe as your excuse, and sure. that that's an even worse. I look. didn't say it would have been a good look. I'm just no, but I'm saying I, this is why I had no yeah. doubt he would talk. Um, I thought this is an interesting quote. I'm seeing it from a. Uh, Daniel Starkened on Twitter uh, from Lock, uh, excuse me, from Lakers Nation, quote, we didn't want to shoot a small bullet now that would only lead to a very marginal improvement at the expense of making a much bigger and impactful move potentially in June or July. Sometimes no move is better than an unwise move. And like you, we'll, we'll start hearing things that maybe could have been possibilities, but based off what we did see today and the type of deals that did happen at this deadline, I'm inclined to think that Palinka read the landscape correctly in terms of who the Lakers could have realistically and sensibly brought to the team. But that also means now that the summer is going to be under an even brighter spotlight. And that is to some degree the the trade-off that you make. I mean, I, I recognize with the Lakers, every offseason is always under a big spotlight. But for example, this past one, there 
were signs of a plan with continuity that seemed to have Laker fans very happy. And Rob Palenka managed to make it happen. And that offseason in the spotlight, it felt like there was a good vibe heading into it and there was a good vibe heading out of it. This offseason, and I'm not even counting the whole will he, won't he with LeBron and his player option, but just the idea that you stood pat, that is going to put much more scrutiny on Rob Palinka's moves this offseason, even if he happened to be correct in his diagnosis at the deadline, which were I to bet he was. You, you, but I don't think you can really separate because all the, you know, that stuff about the additional scrutiny on the summer can't really be separated from the context of LeBron and, and what he's going to do with that option, which I think he's going to pick up folks. Um, I, you know, I don't think the Lakers, I don't think LeBron wants to leave and I don't think the Lakers want him to go. And I don't think not acquiring Royce O'Neal at the deadline is going to be the kind of thing that drives LeBron James at 39, 40 years old out of town. Like that would, let me put it to you this way. Acquiring Royce O'Neal wouldn't have kept him here either. You know, like, you know, going out and, and trading for, you know, a backup point guard or something like that. Those were not moves that were going to keep him here. If he's either going to stay or go based on where they are at the end of the season, what he thinks the prospects are for next year, what his family wants to do. There were no transformative moves that LeBron was clearly leaning on the team to make. DeJounte Murray didn't move. I'm not calling him transformative. He's the best player that was on the market. Bruce Brown didn't move. Probably the DeMar second best player move. on the market. DeMar DeRozan didn't move. Um, I think where... What will be interesting is not just looking at what the Lakers do this offseason because the pressure to trade those picks and to turn them into a star is going to be obviously much higher now because they didn't make any kind of moves. They didn't get Bogdanovich. They didn't any, do any of that supporting stuff. Um, go back and listen to the podcast from um, Thursday afternoon. We can explain why. A lot of it's just salary structure. They didn't have players to send out for some of these people. But it's also, I think, there's going to be a kind of a revisiting of the summer of Rob from last year, which you and I were absolutely enthusiastic about, particularly given the alternatives. But mm -hmm. some of it just hasn't turned out as, you know, like Rui, I realize I'm not trying to pick on a guy who had two points in 38 minutes and probably his worst game of the year with real playing time. And it's his birthday. And it's his birthday. <laughs> um, I, I just... You know, he has, whether it's entirely his fault, you want to blame Darvin, whatever it is, he's not played very well. He has not turned himself into an asset that teams would be excited to acquire. Um, you know, the Gabe Vincent thing, not Rob's fault. <laughs> you know, I don't think. Maybe we stop signing heat guards. Maybe that's the moral of the story. But I do think at the end of the year, there's, you know, particularly D-Lo Lee, like there's going to be a revisiting of the Palinka summer. Um, and it will be interesting to see how that turns out. And then obviously what they do going forward. Yeah. I mean, as we talked about this before, I, I tend to agree with you that LeBron is going to resign, but I'm also not really sweating the idea of him leaving because I'm not going to pretend that LeBron James leaving the Lakers is not a big deal because it is, but with all sincere respect to LeBron, you're only going to be doing this for so much longer anyway. And 
building around LeBron, I think if everybody is being open and honest about this, is becoming more and more complicated because of where he is in his career and the amount of help that is now required for him to play to both play at the level that you want him to and not have to play mm -hmm. at the level that you want him to. And as much as every team looks to get their superstars help, they also want their superstars to perform like superstars as much as they can. And given where LeBron is right now, you're in a weird place where you almost don't want him to perform like well, a superstar particularly often. That is a that is the argument for waiting and making yourself as strong as possible in the offense. You know, this summer is going to be a, a hard one for the Lakers, um, but they're in better shape than they were, you know. They should be in decent shape. They should have some flexibility. They should have some ability to make some moves. Um, it's just, you know, Palenka, I, I, do, I wonder if some of the residual anger over the non-movement on Thursday is really kind of looking back at, like, them still digging themselves or climbing out of the Westbrook hole that they created. Like it's, it's all still relevant. So we'll see, you know, um, anyway, the Kobe statue ceremony, say what you want about the Lakers on the floor, off the floor. They still do this stuff really, really well. We'll talk about that. Get you ready for the Pelicans game tonight as well. All of that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Nissan. And are you the type of driver who likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drivers and great escapes. Class exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. And gone are the days of connecting your phone, Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play Store, they're built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment center. That's a really big screen. 2024 Rogue, it is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. Nissan's incredible lineup also includes the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. It has room up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity and advanced 4x4 capability with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing. I take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, and the Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Locked on Liquors also brought to you by Logix. You know, on this show, you get a lot of in-depth analysis and hot takes. Uh, yeah, well, let me give you my hottest take of the day, a really hot day for the Lakers, uh, no less. The best lineup in L.A. and the surrounding areas right now is the lineup of auto loans at Logix. They start off at the top with my favorites, the proven and dependable new and used vehicle loans. You can count on these guys to give you low rates and save you big time bucks. Next up, they've got an exciting new rookie sensation in their electric vehicle loans with super low rates and flexible payment terms. Rounding out, the, uh, rounding out their lineup, they've got their auto refinancing and lease buyout loans. With these guys, you could lower your monthly payments and get on the road to owning your car faster. Look, I know it's a hot take, but seriously, no one can beat the lineup at Logix. So visit your local Logix branch right here in LA and the surrounding areas. Let one of their amazing team members help you or just apply online in minutes at logixbanking.com forward slash car. That's L-O-G-I-X banking.com forward slash car.
Um, I I was not expecting anything less, Andy, but the way the Lakers handled the Kobe Bryant statue ceremony, the people that they brought in to speak, the people that were inside, it was, you know, a very, I guess the only possible I've seen some, some criticism of just the fact that fans were sort of kept away from it. It was a very small gathering inside of this tent um, outside the arena and um, fans will then have access to it today starting, I believe, 10 a.m. Uh, local time. But I mean, just the, 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 but the, the production itself was as it always is with the Lakers. Excellent. Um, and, and befitting the occasion. Yeah. I, I will address the fans not being allowed. And I understand why fans would want to be there, particularly when you're talking about a fan base like Kobe's, but that's also the exact reason they couldn't be there because if you opened up this unveiling to the public, it would be it would have the attendance of like a championship parade like it really would and you can't have a ceremony like that go off with that type of crowd i agree like it, it's it's just too much to try to handle and again i understand why fans wanted to be there i mean you and i for scheduling reasons could not be there and i, I was disappointed that that we couldn't attend you know, just as people who covered Kobe. And, you know, I would love to have witnessed that in person, see the statue up close, but it just was not feasible. But you're right. The the people that spoke, the amount of former teammates and former Lakers in the in the audience. I noticed uh the Pelicans, you know, they're gonna be there tonight. The the Lakers playing in the second end of back to back. Larry Nance Jr. was mm-hmm. in the audience. You know, watching he, he played with Kobe during his rookie year and just all these different Lakers from different generations. I thought it was really nice. Phil Jackson, during his speech, asked anybody who had been Kobe's teammate or had been a Laker to stand up, mm-hmm. which, which was a nice moment of everybody just acknowledging each other and that connection to Kobe. And as you and I both knew would be the case, the statue's gorgeous. I mean, it really it, does look good. It is fantastic looking um it was funny <laughs> you know when vanessa this was a, I, this seemed like it was a surprise to everybody when vanessa bryant announced that there would be eventually three statues in the plaza it reminded so you me, didn't uh, that wasn't just me missing i had no information idea. that was out there like that that felt like new information to me i would think that you and i as closely as we follow everything that goes on with this team and the idea that we get a whole lot of, you know, media relations emails from the Lakers. I feel like if three statues was well known, we'd have been in the loop. Maybe I just, I have three kids. I can't remember anything. I, I'm just, so I, I wasn't, I, I I just was like, Oh, three like that. That feels new. That's such a, that's such a, it's the third one I believe is, is one of which will feature, um, Kobe and and Gianna. Well, it just it, it made me laugh a bit because it reminded me of our ESPN podcast where you and I used to have this uh, thing called the statue game, where mm-hmm. it, it, sort of our way, like a different way of talking about different Lakers and sort of their you know their time with the team. The idea was that every single player who ever played for the Lakers would get a statue, and like the size of the statue. And the proximity of it to either to Staples Center now Crypt, 
you know, or just general location would be in a lot of ways indicative of what they meant to the organization. And we used to always joke that Kobe's statue would be like 25 feet tall in the middle of center court. You and everybody around it. <laughs> You'd have to play around it because Kobe right. meant that much to the organization and he should work around there. it. That's, that's fine. Yeah, Home court exactly. advantage. <laughs> exactly. And it, this, it feels fitting. I mean, beyond the whole, you know, eight and 24 and obviously wanting to honor Gigi, like, you know, the, the, this, you know, the seriousness of it and in the career, it, it felt very fitting to just the way Kobe's stature with this organization, when he played, after he played, and, you know, unfortunately under these circumstances, it's always just so big. Mm -hmm. It just is. Um, I, uh, I, I just think the, the Lakers, they're, they're getting really, I mean, it's a lot of statues and they're getting really good at it. And I thought the base, if I haven't, obviously haven't seen it up close, but like, you know, to see it in the Sunday whites was really cool. It's, it is the, the finger in the air. I mean, I'm not even going to describe that much. People have seen the picture by by now, but a finger well, in the I mean, air. It was one of the post poses that yeah. was, I mean, after 81, it was one of the poses when you and I were trying to predict that I was like, it's either going to be that or the, I right. thought the, him on the scorer's table after the 2010 championship. Which, by the way, could still be coming. Um, I think it will be. And um, what's what I also think is just kind of baller <laughs> about this is Vanessa... Um, said, you know, if you don't like the one that we chose, um, well, Kobe chose it. So, you know, tough I, you know, bleep, tough, tough bleep, you know, suck it up. Um, and I like the idea of just of like, you know, you know, you're an immortal in the game when you're like, like you've had a conversation about what stat, what, what pose do you want for your statue outside? And it's not a joke. <laughs> like when you can, well, when you, when, when not only, can you give thought to something like that? You actually kind of need to give thought to something about like that. I mean, that, that you talk about like big, like <laughs> that is when you know you've made an impact. What's, what's interesting about that too, and really fitting and, and how much it speaks to who Kobe was is beyond the idea of like recognizing what you mean to, this franchise and NBA culture and, and this city, it also reflects how Kobe was a really artistic guy and he would want to be hands-on with this project. Like he, he would care a lot about what it looks like, not just from a vanity standpoint or an ego standpoint. It's because Kobe cared about that sort of sure i mean you don't want to you don't want to be like the that that ronaldo statue that everybody was making fun of a few years ago like <laughs> you know some of it is vanity there's a little vanity in there one of the one of the things that is just so just sad about this is is you know is the, there are certain athletes who you're not terribly interested you know wish them ill in their post athletic career but it's like i don't need to know what they're up to um and what they're doing because what they're doing is probably relatively mundane and you know doing good stuff in the community or whatever it is hanging out with their families but like and it's great but like you really looked forward to seeing what kobe was going to be up to because 
Um, and I know we've had discussions about this on this show and, and other shows in the past, different versions of our podcast. He is um, the most, or is certainly up there tied for the, like in terms of intellectual curiosity, particularly from an athlete of that stature. And um, like that, that's just, that was pushing him into places where he could, you know, win Oscars and, and, and do all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, it takes time to get good at that stuff. He had, you know, being Kobe allowed him a jump start, allowed him access to a lot of things, but like he wasn't going to be as good at, you know, in his you know, late thirties, early 40 and getting into that stuff as he would have been at 50, 55, you know, after 20 years of making stuff or doing things, he would have been better at it. Um, and it would have been cool to see, uh, just to yeah. see what, what those projects would, the way he channeled the, the, the competitiveness and the curiosity and the, the commitment to excellence into things that weren't basketball. And the last thing I just wanted to note, a, a lot of former Lakers teammates, stuff like that. And of course, Pau Gasol was there and the spectrum Sportsnet broadcast happened to capture this moment of Pau in the crowd with uh, Natalia Bryant. Oh. Um, an extension of everything Pau has been doing for the Bryant family since Kobe's passing. Let me just say, let us all have friends like Pau Gasol, man. That dude yeah, that's is the, the best. best. He's the best. Uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where we can go hang out with over 23, 23. I can't, fast forwarding, Andy. 23, It'll be 33 000. soon so enough, We will baby. get there uh, with your help every day. Or, um, tell a friend, tell two or three friends. This is our telethon. <laughs> it's where you can go to hang out and leave questions, leave comments. Let us know what you think about the statue, what you think about the trade deadline. Uh, Lakers are playing tonight uh, against the Pelicans, and we certainly have every intention. It's a big game. Important uh, game. They're chasing the Pelicans for the play-in. Yep. Uh, we have every intention of uh, recording after the game, so uh, we will see everybody over the weekend. Thanks.